Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 364. It's our roundtable show every Friday on Pacific Standard Time, which you can join us either on Facebook or YouTube. It depends what mood I'm in, but I think next week I'm going to decide on YouTube if I can get off my backside and get it organized before this show. But I've not been well. I've been ill for the past two weeks, which you've been able to hear, listeners, with my constant coughing. But I feel better today. We've got a great panel. I think it's going to be an interesting discussion. Um, Spencer, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to listeners and viewers? Of course. Hi, Spencer Foreman from WPLaunchify.com. That's great. We've got Matt from the Matt Reports. Would you like to introduce yourself, Matt, to the new Hi. listeners and viewers? Absolutely. Matt from MattReport.com. You can also find me at Pagely.com. Great hosting provider. Um, John, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? John Locke from Lockdown Design and SEO. You can find me at LockdownSEO.com. <laughs> That's great. And we've got Chris. Would you like to introduce yourself, Chris? I'm Chris Badger from Lifter LMS. You can find me at LifterLMS.com, which is a tool for creating courses and a learning management system with WordPress. I also have a podcast for course creators called LMSCast. Um, so on to the first story. Um, so WordPress secures 2.4 million in funding from Google and partners. Um, what did you think of this one, John? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I, I believe that we're going to continue to see uh, WordPress.com. Uh, I think we're going to look back in history, and this is going to be known as the era of monetization for WordPress.com. This is going to be uh, the year where Automatic really puts down the pedal on, on monetizing. I don't know if... if um, you know, I, I think for newspapers, they're struggling all the way around. Uh, I don't know if this is the best idea to, to put all their eggs into a VIP plus Google basket. But, I mean, we'll see. They, I don't know if they learned from uh, Facebook stories or not, but I guess we'll find out. What did you think, Matt? Um, I think that uh, taking a step back, looking at it, it this is like a, a drop in the bucket right? 2.4 million uh, from Google and partners. Um, you know, it's, I think it's, it's smart. Uh, I think it's uh, something that these publishers, uh, quote unquote, need. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know if this is like a fully fledged idea yet. I think this is just an experiment because uh, that's what this kind of money kind of shows me. Um, that they might be trying to build something to see if they can, you know, uh, uh, you know fold it into something. Uh, of an experience for journalists, but it might just be a hyped up like, hey, we got a couple support people that we're going to dedicate to you. We all know journalism and news. Uh, let's wrap it around our VIP uh, branding. Um, you know, I think it's what a lot of hosting providers are trying to do is find the sweet spot that they can service well. And, you know, I think that's what this little attempt is here. Yeah. What do you think, Spencer? I think it's like the first version of the fork that we keep talking about happening if something goes wrong. I mean, two million bucks is like coffee and lunch money for the uh, Google team. But if you think about it, it says in the text that they're just forking off a version of the WordPress core and it's going to be used for this thing. I mean, 
this is, I, I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's a non-event. It's an event, but it's the natural, like, of course, this is what's going to happen. The core thing, the platform will mature, and then they're going to go and adapt it for a bunch of partners and white label it. And, you know, whether it's $2 million, $5 million, $6 million, I mean, Google throws away money every day on sense stuff that's a hundred times that much so yeah this is great but for me it represents the whole bigger concept which is if if that stuff like morton and rachel you know are working on goes wrong this is the parachute a bunch of people will just grab a copy of the core and go off and do their you know not 5.0 version parachute uh you know it just proves it can be done that's what you reckon chris I think it's a healthy thing. Back before the internet, there was, you know, like three or four or five TV stations before cable TV, you know, a couple news outlets and that's it. And we're kind of back there today in the mainstream media in terms of like Fox, CNN, NPR. There's like a bunch of big news outlets. And then there's this whole shift with the internet to Twitter and where everybody's a news reporter. And we have these like self-styled like YouTube creators doing news locally and stuff like that. But I think there's a place in the middle for um, what WordPress, there's a market segment that they're trying to serve here, which I do think there is a place for. And I think it would be healthy for our overall society to have more diversity and news options kind of in the middle of the indie creator and the major, you know, CNN, Fox News. So I hope, I hope it's successful. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm going to move you on to the next story because in a way... Can I add... One yeah, quick thing um, so one of the things I would really appreciate come out of this initiative is if we actually saw some innovation into WordPress.org, you know, in the reverse way, uh, you know, unlike Gutenberg, which I feel like is let the users test it and then they'll force feed the innovations and iterations up to WordPress.com. What I would like to see come out of this is uh, <clears throat> I think I forget which phase of the Gutenberg rollout we'll see uh, um, content. Uh, changes. Uh, I'm, I'm escaping. The word's escaping me right now of, of what Matt calls it, um, like content staging, uh, if you will. I hope what we see out of the future versions of Gutenberg is whatever they experience here with newspapers and, and higher ed publishers or higher end publishers, those types of uh, innovations will seep into the future versions of Gutenberg, which helps us all. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the way content publishing goes is a lot of people have to sign off and before it's not just click and publish and the article is out there. Um, those types of ramp content ramps are, are what we're going to see in this flavor of WordPress. And I just hope that we get that trickled down to, to the free version. That's great. So on to the next story, which in some ways is kind of, I feel is kind of linked how Vermont social network became a model on online communities. What did you think of this one, Chris? Um, I think it's beautiful. I, my wife was actually right in the path of Hurricane Irene and got out like right before everything got shut down out of uh, Killington, Vermont, actually. But it was, devast- it was a devastating event. And, uh, but that aside, that being the catalyst for communities to organize and need communication channels when traditional things like the newspaper delivery isn't happening. Um, But you can get the internet through the cellular network, which they were able to get back online quickly. Uh, And then that opens up communication. But one of the things about forums, this is a forum, right? So like, and it's very plainly styled. It's not flashy. If you think about Craigslist, at one point, it was recently 25 most trafficked websites in the world. It's ugly. 
there's no style, but it serves a function. And obviously, people like using it. Um, forums have a special place in my heart. It's actually like in my marketing quiver or whatever. I go to forums all the time. I'm active in some really old school, ugly forums. I try to help people in forums. Um, there's forums in all kinds of niches that allow people to communicate both on a local level, but also just around an interest level, whether that's like, there's like beekeeping forums, gardening forums, uh, drone enthusiast forums. There's just like a forum for everything that's a very different experience than just like the social media feed. Forums can get highly curated. And when the owner of one of those platforms gets organized and does a little bit of editorial moderation and organization, a forum can be a really powerful thing. So forums are old school, but I, I wish they would come back more into the mainstream uh, like we're seeing with what, what, what's happening in New England with, this, with the Vermont forums. But it takes leadership from some kind of creator who's good at building community and sees the value in, the, in organizing all that conversation. Yeah, what did you think of this, Matt? I, I thought in some ways it was a fascinating, it was a bit long-winded, the um, the article, but I thought it had some really interesting concepts. Yeah, uh, I like echo what Chris said. I think a lot of this stuff, I think what I really like about <laughs> the internet is it, it, it takes the concept of, of networking and community of, of people, which is normally done, you know, through Twitter, through forums, through Facebook groups. and it opens them up to the idea of quote unquote networking, right? And I think without <clears throat> people being exposed to this stuff for many years, if all of a sudden somebody was like, power outage, mass chaos, let's all hop on a forum. If no one's ever experienced like Facebook or posting or using things on the internet like this before, they are clueless to what is happening. But I think, you know, fast forward 15, 20 years later of the consumer web, and, and people are now much more open to the idea of this sort of, it's, it's almost like online, offline, online kind of thing where it's like they know it's all there and then there's something critical that happens and people offline are like, hey, we can do this really cool thing online and connect everybody. And everybody's like, yeah, I, we understand that now. We get it. It's not just like this Facebook thing. It's something that can really help people. I was listening to a podcast the other day about <clears throat> something similar to this where is might get a little bit morbid here, but you know, Jonathan, you're about to die, right? So <laughs> we're listening to people who are going into uh, into hospice and they don't want to go to a facility. Um, they could stay at home, and what they do is they create networks of people in and around their neighborhood uh, that will check on them to you know to see how things are are going. And it's it's a fascinating you know movement of uh, of people generally being able to connect. Uh, and create networks again, sort of like in this weird offline, online kind of thing. It's funny that you say that word facility. When I first come to America, somebody said that to me, and I thought, "What are you talking about? You're sending your dog to a kennel or something? Facility? It's it's really something very grossly American. You can send. Yeah, and your... they don't have that back in the UK. No, they don't, we don't send people to facilities. <laughs> 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 Like, I said hospice care. Did I say facility? I thought I said hospice you care. Know, but you did, but then it kind of slipped out. I, I just had to take the big, you know, that's my role back. So, uh, um, so um, Spencer, what, one of the things is they're moderated. The, the, you know, I think unless you have 
volunteer model i think one of the key things about their success it's it's you know somebody looks over so it doesn't end up being a total cesspool local cesspool do you think that's one of the key factors why facebook and twitter and other things end up being a cesspool where this might resist the temptation of ending up that way yeah i mean the First of all, I want to move to Vermont right now just by looking at the pictures of this place because it's gorgeous. It does look nice, doesn't it? <clears throat> I, I want to like have my offices look like those offices. It's like some kind of lot. Beautiful. As far as the success of this, I have personal experience with the community that's been going on since 2000 that is forum-based. It's my trike flying thing, which is a like a motorcycle with wings. But the point is, Here's this, the difference between this and everything else. We all can see it. Everybody's a real person in a real town that's held accountable by their first and real name. Okay. Bob, you're a effing asshole and you live on Smith Street and I'm going to come throw coffee in your face. Two, moderate, 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 moderate. Like there's a huge ratio between moderators and the actual people. So if somebody acts naughty, it's not like one troll runs away with it. <laughs> it's connected in some meaningful way to an actual visible result, right? It's not some dude in a closet that doesn't care about what happens from his actions. If somebody acts naughty or does something good, the results are going to be seen by the town to get out of this thing. It's really interesting. One of the things that comes out of this to me applies to a larger conversation that you and I have had privately, Jonathan, that's, I know several of us said privately and also in business. I think the needle has shifted in the WordPress ecosystem, in the online ecosystem. I've said this about Facebook too. The people crave one-to-one relationships with real human beings, that all of this other crap that's happening is swinging the needle back to, you know what? I remember fondly the days before I had a smartphone and a Facebook account, and I just want to deal with people face-to-face, even if it's through Skype, even if it is on a forum. It's like, me and you, like real people that can be, you know, accountable for what's happening. And if you can help me or vice versa, great. And I think this is how that will still use the internet and still use the tools, but we're just going to not use the tools in the way that we started doing before, where some conglomeration tells us how awesome it'll be if we all act like assholes and, you know, get away with it. And, and this is a really nice story for that. Imagine if, Facebook, imagine if Facebook groups or Facebook in general wasn't like you couldn't post anything or all you could right. post was, Hey, we're all going to meet up here. And there was like no data collection. There was like no content, right. or anything like that. How big would these social networks be? They'd be tiny, right? It'd be a, as this little utility. Well, app. To your point, which it, I think that's what we're all saying is that yeah. I fondly remember dialing up into sure. God forbid, yeah. AOL or CompuServe. Yeah. And I remember like, Oh my God, there's five people here. And then you go to the next stage where it's open, but it was still, a forum, a, a, a BB bulletin board or something. Yeah. And there was a mm-hmm. lot of moderation. And that's where my trike flying thing came out of from 1999, 2000. And I was the moderator. And what was so funny, there was a thing called, at the time, Yahoo Groups was a big deal, right? And everybody on Yahoo Groups was shit in a brick, so to speak, because they couldn't believe that the guy who was running the other flying forum wasn't even a pilot and was really being a jerk about it. So they were looking for some reasonable moderator. I didn't have to do anything. All I said to everybody was, <laughs> Use the golden rule, and if not, I'm going to tell you you're naughty, and I'll slap you in the hand. And that's been working for 15 years or whatever it is. These people are doing it themselves to prove that that, that idea is timeless. You know, yeah. just 
act like a real person, but there's no financial incentive, I suppose, behind something like this, unless it's, you know, the, the end result. Is this your, your interest in, in these flying devices? Is it your guarantee that if you need to leave America, you've got to exit? Is it, Spencer? I wouldn't get, they only fly like 65 to 110 miles an hour, so I wouldn't get very far. But yeah, oh, sure, why not? You I'm might be able to, yeah, you cross the Canadian border, wouldn't you? Maybe I had to get up, maybe I had to get up as far as New Hampshire. There we go. Got to have an exit plane. I've got a British passport for mine. Uh, um, so there we go. Uh, um, I'll try and get you out, Spence. I'll do you a favour. I appreciate that. Uh, I'll okay. give you a discount rate. Uh, um, so <laughs> My dual citizenship. <laughs> John, what did you think of this? Uh, I thought in many ways it was an interesting article. A couple things stand out to me, as uh, the other panelists have already mentioned. The, the one thing that, that makes this different from uh, a Nextdoor or a Porch or a Facebook is there is moderation. I, I think there is one paragraph in here where it talked about if you want to start a flame war with your neighbor, it takes 24 hours for your comment to post. So if you say something in anger and you regret it later, you can contact the uh, moderators and have them just delete that so you don't. Um, start <laughs> some sort of like oh, neighborhood, but many, neighborhood many, many, many wish that was yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and the other thing is you know this things like this take time and and you know I do remember the internet when it was largely forums and you know Friendster and MySpace were brand new things this has been around for 13 years. It takes time. The two original owners, the husband and wife, are still in control. They, it's amazing what can happen when you're actually trying to do something good for your community and your state and your city. Instead of figuring out how you can uh, get shareholders an extra uh, you know, $5 per share this quarter. So. Yeah, kind of, it takes time. I, uh, recently, I, I just did an interview with Ryan Carson of uh, Treehouse, and I said, how did you get Treehouse started? He said, well, it's a bit of a long story. He said, I did, um, you know, um, meetings and live events. It, basically, it took me seven years to get where yeah. I am. You know, he said, it's a, it's a long story to get where you are at the present moment, I think. And these are, these stories are always the same, aren't they? takes like seven years of hard graft to get somewhere, yeah. doesn't it? That's yeah. right. <laughs> All right. Um, before we go for a break, I want to talk about one of my great sponsors, folks. And I want to talk about Kinster. And what is Kinster? Kinster is a WordPress hosting provider. They host the WP Tonic website. They, do, they have um, decided to still be my major sponsor in 2019. Great company. Um, big enough to have all the bells and whistles, small enough to still care. I thought, I thought up that catchphrase. I think it's quite good, actually. Uh, uh, no, Matt, Matt doesn't think that's all that good. Well, he's plugging his ears. No, uh, he, he doesn't want to listen. Um, Pagely's great as well. They're they're a very nice company as well. Uh, um, so, <laughs> um, but um, basically, um, if you're looking for a great hosting provider, I was on a I was on a call with Chris, and I heard that somebody had gone to Kidster on the call yesterday. I, I, I gave them thumbs ups. Hopefully, they don't blame me for going there. Uh, um, but you get all the bells and whistles. You get latest version of PHP. You get 24-7 care from people that really know what they're doing. 
It's on the Google Cloud. It's fantastic hosting. If that's of interest for you or one of your clients, go to kinster.com. And we'll be back in a few moments, folks, to continue this great discussion. Be back soon. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. I think we've had a, it's been a more cheerful discussion than some Fridays. Community and love and um, everything. I'm, I'm, I'm in a much brighter mood. Um, let's get back to normal. Let's start slagging some people off. Uh, um, so, um, Oh, yeah, this might be an opportunity for some slanking. Um, leading marketing and communication WordPress. Yes, we've got a new marketing head. Uh, um, what did you think of this one, Spencer? I, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what that job does. I, I, I mean, first of all, I, I want to say his name wrong because I don't know him personally. He's one of the rare people I've never actually talked to <laughs> in any way, but it's juiced, juiced. How do you say? That's why I left it for you to make the uh, to have a take because I fell with it anyway. Mr. J, <laughs> you know, foundation, foundational person, Matt. You probably know, right? How do you say his first name? I don't, I feel stupid because I just, I just say Yost, whatever. Yost, yeah. All right, you guys are all bailing out on me. Okay, so Yost. With Yost. Well, you're taking a grind. We thought we'd just leave you to do it. He's kind of at the same level of many of the other foundational people. And I like Carl Hancock or, you know, whatever. We've talked about other people with Corey at iThemes and and Pippin Williamson. Like, he's paid his dues. The company is like, everybody knows it. Great person. Like, why not? I just don't know what this job is. I don't really understand what it is. So I had no great opinion of it, other than I can say if it's the if it's the person that's going to explain to the rest of us what automatics maybe you should are. Maybe you should go and ask Bridget about what the job yeah. is. Maybe that would have helped. Yeah, yeah, that would have been great. That would have been there. That was the first bit of communication. I will say this much because I like to stick my finger in somebody's, you know, like, uh, like boo-boo. I, I did take sort of pleasure in the fact that even in – hiring or whatever the the free position of this they managed to screw it up somehow and piss off the person who's like you hired who what i'm in charge of that job poor old bridget i i, I do love her and i i, I did uh, i did feel sorry for her but you know but, you well know. maybe that's what's gonna be solved is from now on then there's gonna be like he, he's gonna have to be like the press uh you know, person who everything goes through him but Whatever. I mean, you know, I, I have no opinion other than just wondering why it is that there's a position like this at all. And if so, what are they going to do? And I guess if they help translate these things before they happen, that would be useful rather than just being sort of like, you know, Sarah Huckabee Sanders and telling us what's happening after it's already gone on. But if he's going to actually be proactive, cool. 
Now, Uncle Matt, what is what's going on with WordPress? They they have a consistent ability to shoot themselves in the foot. You know, and it's just comical that you know the head of communication didn't communicate that. <laughs> That affected me with this person that was there to communication. Uh, I'm glad Spencer brought up Trump because I'll I'll draw parallels between the administration and, and what's happening here. It's like when Trump first takes office, you're like, yeah, I'm a little unsure about what's about to happen. And then it's like one person on his team gets indicted and you're like, really? Is that that's going to happen? That can't happen again, right? That's not going to. That surely cannot happen again. All the people, all the people that be indicted, are going to start their own forum, right? And then a second, and a third, and it's, you're at the point of like, well, how many times can we? How many times is this guy going to screw up here? Um, you know, again, you know, Yost, uh, you know, one of those, I guess, what you would call a founding member of uh, of WordPress and the community. Uh, obviously, one of the most installed plugins out there, et cetera, et cetera. To me, though. Uh, well, I'd say that the last time I was on the show, I think I, we were, I was commenting on the state of the word and I said, somebody definitely, there, there needs to be a product marketing person on this team to really uh, uh, give us uh, more of a user focused uh, view on WordPress and not just coding. Um, and I think what I would imagine to be is why Yoast uh, was chosen. The flip side of that is, and, and again, going back to Morton's thing is, how, why, you know, how do these decisions come up? Um, if this person is representing the community, why wasn't the community involved? Again, not taking away from Yoast, but we're looking for fundamental uh, uh, pillars of how cho- decisions are made around here. Um, again, you look at the stuff with Bridget and you're like, you know, well, is, are any of these roles sanctioned? <laughs> you know, if, are, are any of these uh, things that volunteers are doing. I mean, is any of this stuff blessed or can it be just... Can I just interrupt? I've got to sure. be honest. I'm just going to say it as I feel. I, I thought it was terrible the way they treated her. They treated her like shit. Yeah, well... It, you know, it, they it's, treated it's her very like... unfortunate. It's very unfortunate, but you know, again, and if they treated me in that way, can you? I would have some comments for Matt on a private forum in the private DD method. I wouldn't do it in public. It, I would make my feelings towards him quite clear if he treated me like that. It, it, but a lot of the stuff has to be public. Like a lot, like the reasons why I harp on and criticize the internals of Word, WordPress decision makers is is because of this. It's like people need to understand that this could change course at any direction, right? And you you have to know what you're volunteering for, who you're volunteering for. Um, and at some point people have to demand these answers because it's like, what, what is happening? You know, what of all my blood, sweat and tears go into a project like this. I need to know that it's going, it's, it's going in a direction that I at least feel comfortable in. Um, not saying that Yost is a bad decision, but uh, you know, again, I think when you look at somebody who's going to do the theatrics for WordPress. I think he's one of the more obvious choices. I would also say like Syed Balki would be another great choice for somebody who has done a lot in WordPress and can really market it. I really think that's what's going to happen. One of the things that really just struck a negative with me uh, in two points that struck a negative with me in in Yost's post here is uh, are you going to fix the ambiguity between .com and .org? Uh, and And the hard answer is no. Uh, there's limits of what I can do, blah, blah, blah. But it's almost like it's a throwaway thing. Almost like we're, I'm not here to do that, but we all know it's a big problem. 
Why can't we address that? Um, in fact, that's what some of the messaging should be moving forward. And, um, you know, second is, is I always look for what people are not saying. And as somebody who, you know, started a plugin many, many years ago as a solo developer and has now built one of the biggest companies in WordPress, I still don't see any light, any potential light being shed on folks like us on this panel and folks like the people who are watching. Like, wh- where is the, the, the community involvement? How are we going to make communication better? And how are we going to lift up the people who have been the real cheerleaders for WordPress moving forward? I just see this as the 1% hiring the 1% again, unfortunately. Again, to draw another parallel of, of Trump. You drain the swamp only to bring in somebody who's also uh, very uh, intertwined with what's happening with WordPress and also a candidate for acquisition uh, from WordPress.com. I don't care how Yo spins it. Uh, I sort of, you know, shuck and jive with that. You know, he's saying that he's not for sale thing. I, I just think it's the most obvious for the next. And, um, you know, anyway, uh, those are my two points on that. I could go on forever. Why, about that. why, why is the, uh, sorry, I, I want to jump in before I get it. Is Bridget's position paid? <laughs> Poor lady. It was totally volunteer. And, uh, yeah. So I, 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 just, I, no, I, I have not spoken to Bridget at all. I, I don't speak for her. These are my views. She, she's quite capable of speaking up for herself. I just felt really sorry for her. You know, I, I thought it was just terrible. I, I really thought it was bad. <laughs> Can I jump in? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this whole situation, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface it by saying this. I don't think the WordPress project, when it started, uh, was meant to be this big enterprise uh, th- that is taking VC money and all this, kind of like Facebook. It was started out as something else, and the opportunity presented itself to, to turn it into a money-making venture, and it became something else. And, and secondly, I want to say that, that I don't think that... the Yost being appointed. I don't think it's any fault of his own. I don't think that he necessarily knew, you know, uh, what's the the other situation. But and I don't speak for Bridget either. But she is a very good friend of mine. Uh, and I, I'll just say this: it's when you, you do things like this to your community, when people volunteer, when they are paying their own employees to do five for the future. Or to hearken back to an article that Matt wrote about the the WordPress uh, blue collar worker that's out there growing this thirty three percent by telling their clients to build on WordPress. Uh, you're kind of ignoring the the whole community that brought you to this point, and I really do feel that we're at a point right now where this open source project is no longer uh, really have like the input. Now, I think that Yoast was appointed in a way because he's a big name. And again, no fault of his own, but Matt is, is leveraging that. He's, he needed a, a figurehead that's known by the majority of the community because I think that they're going to go into overdrive on democratizing monetization. Uh, I think that's really what's happening right now. And I think that the days of the WordPress community being, you know, everybody holding hands and singing Kumbaya and we're all here to, you know, help each other. That's dead and gone, guys. That's dead and gone. Like, it's, it's all about, you know, how Matt can leverage the community. Matt Mullenweg, not Matt Medeiros, but 
Mullenberg is trying to, you know, leverage the community to make more money for automatic and buying his pockets. And he has to do that because he's already taken VC money. He, he doesn't have a choice in the matter. So that's my two cents. And then, by the way, too, like Bridget, she's better off, like, not volunteering. She's focusing on paying clients instead of doing two works, two years of work building up the marketing uh, team just uh, to, to hand it over to somebody else. So, you know, it's, it's better that she gets paid for her time. So that's my two cents. So, Chris, what do you think? Um, I'm going to take a slightly different approach in that the one of the things I heard come out of this in a comment was that WordPress and the, the leadership is like a bazaar where people kind of ebb and flow and come out. That's kind of like an idealistic um, picture <laughs> of a company culture. And I observed that for the first time I helped organize a WordCamp and I saw, you know, you can only be the lead organizer for a couple of years and people kind of come and go and burn out and then there's fresh blood and then there's volunteer. It's like this ebb and flow thing, which is kind of cool, but it still needs to have some maturity around it. Like, especially when somebody who's put in a lot needs to be acknowledged, like regardless of the... um you know, idealistic picture of ebb and flow that we have out there. There's just a maturity, I think, that needs to level up. But that's just one point. The other point I wanted to make was that it's about the position. Like, what is the marketing lead going to do? And when I look at marketing, I always use, uh, there's three things you can do. I have a three-item uh, framework. One is relationships, one is inbound marketing, and one is outbound marketing. Every marketing strategy falls into those three categories. On the relationship side, what a leader in a marketing position needs to do, in my opinion, is start fixing and working on relationships from the inside out. So improving this kind of blue-collar worker situation that Matt is talking about, Matt Medeiros, and... Uh, develop and showing more appreciation in the community and even using the thing that happened with Bridget as a learning opportunity and moving on in a more inclusive way and, and just figuring out how to improve relations within the community itself. There's a lot that can be done. Uh, then in terms of inbound, like what, are, what can WordPress create that's going to attract more uh, users and customers and grow the pie? Like what kind of pillar content could be created? I could come up with a million ideas for that. Somebody's got to do that work. Somebody needs to lead and, uh, and help guide that process. Um, which I know Yoast has great design sense. Um, but I'd love, to, uh, I'd love to just hear like some strategies around what kind of content can we create as a community to help you know, for example, help the public understand the difference between WordPress.com and .org in a better way. So that instead of explaining over and over and over again, we can point to a piece of content, pillar content that the community can use together to help, you know, clarify what's going on there or other content to explain the difference between WordPress and Wix. If we look at the billions of every single YouTube I watch, I see a Wix ad right. in front of it. And, um, what kind of content can we create that's as a community? I know there's another article we're going to talk about here about Elementor pop-ups. The video that that marketing team made about the pop-ups was like nothing I've ever seen in terms of quality, fun, uh, in the WordPress ecosystem. I'd love to see the WordPress itself create a, a piece of inbound marketing content like that about 
why WordPress or WordPress versus Wix or whatever. WooCommerce versus Shopify. There's so much pillar content that could be created. It doesn't mean that the leader has to create it all, but they need to have the vision and the strategy. And then in terms of outbound, prospecting, bringing new people into WordPress, that takes leadership. Whether you're doing that through paid acquisition and coming up with a more intelligent paid advertising strategy or creating communities or teams within WordPress that go to broader tech or marketing or publishing or whatever internet of things conferences and representing the voice of WordPress. There needs to be some outbound sales activities going on. Those are the three functions of marketing. And so what I'm watching is not what's said, but what happens across those three categories. That's, in my opinion, what WordPress needs in a marketing lead. I think they were great points. Um, Just to make a quick comment and then we move on to another story um, is that... um, There's just been a a consistent ability to shoot from the top management, their ability to shoot themselves in their own foot with a lack of of communication. And in the end, you you know, if I was the head of a company, and I don't know if you'd be the same, and I, we all make mistakes. We all have balls ups, you know, we're just human. But we consistently, as a head of a company organization, keep making fundamental balls ups we we yeah it's, it's got to come to, back to you in the end are you know are you under too much pressure have you bit, bitten too much to chew i you, you know unless you're totally a trump figure totally um intertwined with your own self you you really got to start asking some questions if you see a consistent pattern and unfortunately over the past year and a half i've seen a consistent pattern um that's the other point but the other thing the other points um the other thing that john and some ways matt has pointed out is that i i have a more moderate position because um and I but I do agree, I think this year will define if John's position and maybe Matt's is right and my position is slightly wrong, is that I don't know what the sh- what the um actual voting share structure of automatic is. Is it's it is you know, um obviously a lot of money was taken from VC, but the actual voting shares you might have a similar setup to what you see in facebook where matt um actual um equity in automatic is reduced but he's controlling uh, of the actual voting shares is still quite large um I actually, I actually think if that isn't the situation you would have seen a, a much more aggressive situation right now not not in the coming year. I think you would have seen a much more aggressive movement to monetization by the beginning of 2019. That's my that's my pitch. I think you're definitely going to see the marketing. I mean, why else would you put such a powerful figure ahead of marketing uh, for WordPress.org when clearly the monetization has always been .com. I think in a year's time, we finally see that marketing message sway to something like come experience WordPress for free. Uh, but the best experience is WordPress.com. It'll, there, there will definitely, definitely be a hard sell in a year's time. Yeah. There's, one more, there's one more thing I just wanted to add, which I just noticed, I believe, this morning was that 
Uh, Yost was saying he was questioned about being able to be the CEO of his company and take on this position. And he said he could do both, but he was not willing to sacrifice family time, which I, uh, which I respect. But then a couple of days later, he announced he stepped down as CEO and his wife is now the CEO of Yost. And I don't know if that just happened this morning or whatever, but I did notice that happen, which again gives me like a little more hope that he's freeing up some capacity to really lead in the marketing role in the community by, you know, stepping aside at, at his business as the CEO. So that, uh, that makes the opportunity even more likely to succeed or, or fail. It's going to get, he's giving a lot of focus is what it seems like to me. Right, on to the next, um, on to the, good, yeah, we've got time to get this. Um, or should I go to number five? Let's go to number five, yeah. One, no, let's do, let's do four. Um, Google European Monopoly, shrinking click-through opportunities. And that's from my uh, a person that I respect that's been on the show. What did you think of this one, John? Yeah, it doesn't look good if you're uh, Bing or uh, Yahoo Search or anything else. In Europe, uh, it, in Europe. Yeah, in, in, in the U.S., it's pretty strong, too. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to argue with that. I, you know, if you go to China, there's Baidu, uh, which, again, Google, and we talked about this on a previous episode, but Google is um, uh, sidestepping their don't be evil uh, policy to, you know, do business with uh, China and Saudi Arabia and all these places because they have to grow market share. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think the only the one that's up and coming that could possibly in time become a contender would be DuckDuckGo uh, only because they're, uh, you know, so animate about having privacy. But I, I don't know what the, the business model would be because everything is about selling ads. Um, no, I just want to, yeah. Uncle Spencer, you're greening. And the reason I put this in, yeah. Uncle Spencer, is that I think he's making in this piece, he's making it really no. quite clear. I, I, that, that, I, I'm grinning. Good. Good. I, I'm not out of disrespect to John, so I apologize, John, That's because fine. I didn't mean no to. No worries. I was, I was reading, like we all do, go down in the comments. And the comments right above the graphs are from a guy, I'm not calling him out, but I find it's Ryan Perkey, who's getting all on Rand Fishkin about the fact that the, the image file size is coming at a 54 kilobits instead of 42 kilobits. And, oh, my God, I can't even believe you would dare to post this in here. And it's like, I just found it distracting. I didn't mean to distract by smiling, but I'm like thinking, really? Like that, that extra... Eight kilobits killed you. He needs the four of Bodger, he doesn't he? <laughs> I apologize, John. I wasn't trying to. No, 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 in how you do it, um, I don't know how you do it, but any kind of argument that Google isn't a clear monopolist organization is just crap. Uh, what do you I think, mean, Gabriel, Gabriel Weinberg is the closest thing to uh, your savior in that regard, but I, it, as much as DuckDuckGo is an amazing success story for what it does, 
I think it's like a pimple on Google's ass. I mean, that's the bottom line. There's no way that they can. The problem, again, I have to go back to the fact I don't, I actually was an attorney and I actually did argue some antitrust stuff. The problem with antitrust law is antitrust law only works when there's a clear winner who can benefit, who has a financial clout to say, go take apart that railroad, go take apart those airlines, go take about whatever. Problem here is there's nobody that's going to be able to replace what Google does. So there's no incentive for anybody to take them out. Plus, they have such deep financial partnerships with all the heavy hitters that everybody is winning who's in partnership from them. And none of those people, which are conglomerates, are going to say, take these guys down. That's the problem with all this. There's no money behind an incentive or a push to take them down. And I can see them getting to 70, 80, 90%. They're already at 69%. But I mean, they can go all the way to the top of the thing. Nobody's going to kick them off that pedestal. The only alternative is individually based. So use your alternative, you know, the search engine or use uh, your VPN or whatever you want to do. But otherwise, you're screwed. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming, but I also think in the Gilded Age, and there's been other forces politically generated, and I just see, I, I really see the writing on the wall for Google. Um, what do you think, Matt? Uh, do you think it's a look in its piece? The reality is it, it's a total monopoly. That- yeah, I've just I've just given up at this point. You know, I I'm just going to move to China. Give me another option. <laughs> Force me into another option. Make this economy. You know, I want to add something because Matt triggered my memory. Yesterday, I was browsing something else and it's just relevant. We can complain all we want, but at least we're not in the China situation where, and this is no joke, China has this blacklisting social system where if you somehow... Yeah, you're right. Can you read your Bible? No, but you get blacklisted. But here's what's really scary about that thing. You get blacklisted because you paid your utility bill late, whatever. You get points. You go up and down in points. If you drop below a level, you're like on a a target. But now they actually have a website that tells people geographically you're within 500 feet of somebody that's like uh, their credit score is below five, whatever the number is. And so literally the cameras are watching you and the cameras are saying you're a person that's trouble because you didn't pay your electrical bill. People around you can see it. At least we haven't started doing that kind of crap because, hey, it's a search engine. Oh, we engine do it. It's called your social security number. But I'd say we talked like it's, it's yeah, it's exactly your credit score and your FICO and all the rest of it. But at least it's not reached that level. So I guess, you know, the in the Matrix, that, I think it's Joe Pantaglioni is like, I know this steak isn't real, but <laughs> I, I'm going to love it anyway. Well, be happy that the powers that be haven't done that to us here yet. Yet. That's- yeah, I started this conversation so cheer, cheerfully. Uh, Rob, there we go. I'm going to go. Sorry, Chris. I'm going to go to the next story. Uh, introducing pop-up builder Elementor. I actually think this is one of the most exciting um, developments that I've seen for a while. Um, what do you reckon, Chris? Yeah, I think so too. I'm a uh, <clears throat> I'm an Optin Monster user. I've been using Optin Monster for a long time for pop-ups. But uh, I think it's really cool that Elementor is, I think products should always solve business problems. And Elementor is definitely focused on 
You had a great interview with um, Ben Pines, Jonathan, yeah. on, on this podcast that where he talked about how the free version is for the regular person and then the, the features that they monetize are for the agencies and the, the freelancers. And part of the, um, the whole pop-up thing is about lead generation and upselling or conversion points of different things. It's, it can be used intelligently or it can be used disastrously and annoyingly. But for Elementor, a page builder, to kind of take something out of SaaS that typically you had to go to another SaaS to really get a quality solution and try to solve that in-house in the WordPress and the website ecosystem. I really admire that as a product company. And that just kind of, if you're in the business of building websites and Elementor is a tool to, for people to build websites, the more you can bring the all-in-one under one roof with like, it's awesome. And plus Elementor does what they do well, which, which they've done with their um, template library. I think I saw they have a hundred pop-ups in the pop-up library, which then shortcuts the design process <laughs> if you're not building everything from scratch. So I think it's really cool. I'm really interested to see where it goes and matures. And you know, they'll need to solve the challenge of how do we integrate those leads with all the like 40 CRMs like WP Fusion has done, um, where you have this integration. You, that needs to be figured out. But I'm as a product in the WordPress ecosystem, I think it's a great move for them. I'm just salivating uh, the business ideas about how to link it with learning management systems and membership and optimization. I'm just and how I could fit it into business. I'm just it's just kind of blown my brain away. I'm kind of salivating at the prospect of actually trying to build something. I've been, you know, I've been scheming for months around all this anyway, haven't I, Chris? Yeah. I'm a schemer, aren't I? Uh, um, uh, what do you reckon, Spencer? Uh, it's a definite, obvious solution. You know, for all this last two years at least, there's been lots of ways to handle the pop-ups, but they've always been a disparate product or a plugin. And so it seems odd even inside of Divi, for example, right? The big three page builders, Divi, Elementor, Beaver Builder. Even inside of Divi, the pop-ups are not integrated in Divi, which is kind of silly at this point. You have to use something else. I don't know about Beaver Builder at the moment, but the point is, oh, Beaver Builder has it, but you have to use an accessory. This is a natural combination of two things that everybody needs, and especially marketers, and as it matures, whatever. But my bigger takeaway is, again, I do love Saeed, and I think he's one of our foundational guys, and he's all good for everybody. But Optin Monster's pricing is significantly different. And one of the annoyances of Optin Monster is it runs as a phone home service, which this does not, which is super duper annoying. It is annoying as all hell when a client has to have an Optin Monster account and then you have to go manage the things and look at their pricing tables. They're, I think it's nine, you know, $9, 19, 39, 49 a month where you pay, let's say, 49 bucks a year here. So I think that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for a lot of people. And then when you start working with card flows, when you start working with, again, uh, Lifter LMS and WP Fusion, and you put in that stack, yeah, some really cool stuff is going to happen. But that's the beauty of, I think, consolidation. Yeah, Matt, well, you know, in some ways, I have a, 
it's been a bit dreary having a go at WordPress, but in some ways, you know, Elementor, they kind of start with six people. And when I interviewed their marketing director, he tells me they've got over 50 people working for them now in Israel. And you see this, it's, it kind of regenerates your enthusiasm for the platform in some ways. Would you agree with that, Matt? Uh, speaking of companies that are going to be acquired from WordPress.com, uh, this one uh, would certainly be on the top of my list. I, I'd have to say that <clears throat> I didn't give Elementor a fair shake back in the day. No, I didn't either. I, it just kind of it just kind of came from nowhere almost, didn't it? Yeah, I may mean, have had some bias there. I, I believe they were a theme company previously, and I believe they were going through a, a business accelerator and maybe had some actual angel investing at the time. And uh, my blinders were on people who are trying to just do things organically, but Having said that, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, starting to do some more tutorial videos again, and I, I, I looked at Elementor, and I was just blown away at the fact that there are already a million plus installs on .org, um, and my good friends at Beaver Builder are sitting at about half a million. Uh, but what really clicked for me, no pun intended, is where I saw their, what they're dubbing action buttons right? Uh, these native actions that just happen on a phone. So like if you click the phone number on a phone, it just dials the, the phone number, right? But they're sort of, they've got this nice marketing layer on top where they call them action buttons. They do other things like you know, make a pop-up happen or dial the phone and so on. And I was like, wow, that's, that's just genius. And I started looking more genius on the marketing sense. And then I started looking more at all the features. I was like, wow, they're, they're really buttoning this all up to be, uh, you know, like what Chris was saying, it's solving these business needs. Right. If you were ever to look at a singular plugin that could take on HubSpot, you know this is the plugin that would would do that. Um, so so kudos to them. Um, I would actually rival what you said, Chris, before about the video because I think Divi's marketing video that they did years ago uh, was probably the best one yet. And I think the reason why I got lost in the out in the ocean of ads is because it almost looked like a Wix ad. Uh, you just thought it was a Wix ad, but I, I thought their I thought their video has been the best since. Um, uh, but I, I, you know, I don't know. There's there's just so much to Elementor, and and even Mullenweg has given them some lip service lately. So um, that's telling you something there, and what they're doing with Gutenberg and everything like that, and the pricing is is a flat pricing. It's it's pretty crazy, you know what they've uh, what they've accomplished so far. You just um, you know what's the next steps. That's what I always look at for for a plugin. You know, are they just going to, what are their next steps? Do they just keep enhancing the plugin or do they go the route of Optin Monster and say, you know, voila, we now have a SaaS based service. Um, do X, Y, Z on our, on our hosted, hosted platform. You know, I don't know. I'm always just curious about what those next steps are. Cause I think you can only live so long in .org before you, once you get to their size that you have to do something next. Yeah, that, yeah. Wondering what what the next. Yeah, that's a great point. But it's just been breathtaking over me in installation, and they really went on. And I was really because I really love the guys from Beaver Builder. They they know they've always been really nice to me, generous, great people, and I've always wanted to support them. But I've had to increasingly look at Elementor. The Divi, the, Divi's always been outside my radar, Matt. For some reason, no, I, I think it's a. I think it was just the the, the approach. Um, they got a lot of bad press. I think the approach of technologies. They were building at a at a at a time where WordPress, like they were really accelerating. When this is my own opinion, when the customizer was just getting introduced, and that was a rocky. It's a very turbulent time for a lot of plugin developers. WordPress wasn't really sure which way it was going to go. 
Um, I think anybody who started a, a page builder after that, like a Beaver Builder, um, you know, saw uh, better success. And I just want to preface this before, I, or remind everyone before I forget. I think it's so important. The reason why I look at, well, what is this plugin going to do next? Because everyone, you get a million plus installs, and everybody's like, this plugin is awesome. Look what I can do for free. It's all this amazing stuff. And if I want to upgrade, it's only 50 bucks. I always try to look at, you know, where's where this company going to go? And nothing worse than it getting acquired or moving to a wholly, totally different platform that just pulls the rug out of any, every, from, under, from under everyone. And the whole way that they build a website has changed, right? You know, you, you, just, you just never know with, with such a big, important plugin that a year from now, if something drastically changes... Now you have this whole experience of having to build a website a different way. Um, you know, you kind of felt that when Studio Press was acquired by WP Engine, um, and that could potentially happen in the future. HubSpot could buy Elementor, and they could start dousing, you know, HubSpot pieces into Elementor, and people are going to like, go oh god, I, go I there, right? Um, so I think it's very important that people vote with their dollars with companies that they feel are going to be there for more than you know, just the flashy pop-up features. It's difficult. Yeah, I, I, think you, I think you made some great points there. It's so difficult because in technology terms, they really seem to be pushing the envelope really strong. Do you think it's the technology? Do you think it's the price? It's a combination. It's a combination. Honestly, I understand you saying the price. I think it's a combination. They they really are pushing pushing harder, charging harder than Beaver Builder. It's just, I don't like saying it, um, but it's just the truth. I don't truth. like saying it either. <laughs> no, it's just the I truth. Think, I, I think it's the smoothness, of the, the smoothness of everything integrating together and the price, because if you look at it from a marketing standpoint, I mean, listen, I live in, like Chris, marketing is all I'm about, is if you look at the same product and one's got a really super slick package and image around it, when I go to their website, I feel really good about this company. Plus, the features are really <laughs> exciting. Beaver Builder is super, super solid. But compared to the three, I would rank it Elementor, Divi, kind of right behind. And then Beaver Builder on a marketing and presentation, it's just like, it's like a homebrew still. And I think sure. that's a big factor in it along with you know, the whole bundle of goodies. But when you look at it as an aside, Divi has everything except it's missing a couple features. Beaver Builder really isn't everything. It's the page builder and then everything else is sort of a third-party bolt-on. Elementor is the one that's really saying, hey, we got the whole you know, nine yards in one bundle here now. So, what, so then you have to ask, like, what's next for Elementor? Is it now, do they get into the world of e-commerce? Do they start you know, integrating? I, I think so. I think, it's, I think it's marketing automation integration. I think it's, I'm sure there's conversations around it, but like integration of the more popular learning management, uh, gamification, you take all those platform things that we've been talking about that are going to be necessary and they become accessories with the package, whether it's right. because of partnerships or whether it's because... There's just loads of ways. They could go, they could go really head-to-head on ClickFunnel. Right. And then when do, you get the, when do you get the email where they say, oh, by the way, we've been doing this for five years now. We appreciate everybody in the community. Uh, base fee is now $99. Second middle fee is one. Because you, you, I mean, 50 employees... $50 a license. I mean, you have to understand at the, at some point, you, you know, the company's going to take Divi, a look at Divi it. Divi's pricing, although it went up a little bit, you think <clears> about it, 
they they've really done well, kind of like uh, Carl Hancock over Gravity Born. They've done well with just kind of like yeah, it went up, but geez, it's still a ridiculous value. And if you were an early adopter and they locked you in, like most of us pay probably thirty bucks a year for whatever, it's like hey, you know what? Then it's actually a win win. They if they have a million people and they can get as many of those to pay as possible times 40, 50, 100 a year, they never have to worry about a SaaS model because I do think that that SaaS thing, and again, all due respect to Saeed, I think the idea that you're paying monthly for a pop-up plugin in 2019 is insane. I know, I know, I, I know what people build and need to, they need to hire Bridget. <laughs> why, why isn't the director of WordPress a paid position? Can anybody answer that? Why is it that Automatic isn't paying a salary for somebody to take that job? Why? I don't even understand that. I didn't ask it before, but... I mean, would you, ste- would you step down from your CEO position for free? No. Exactly. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so that's the point. It's like he's... Listen, if Yoast is getting set up for some, you know, grease in the skids for a buyout, great. But otherwise, it's like, why would you move away from where you're really doing well and take on a thankless task of being subject to all kinds of criticism? Just hire somebody that's used to doing that for a living and pay them properly. I just don't get the whole, like, they don't have enough money or what. Great points. Let's just quickly finish off with my tips and new products or services that the panels come across this week, and I didn't tell Matt about this, but I'm sure he's got something. I'm going to totally cheat, and I'm going to take something from WP Crafter and from Adam, um, and it integrates with um, Animator's pop-up, and it comes from another great company that we all love, Invento. Um, they've got this Element Invento plugin that puts this, this pop-up product from Alimenta on steroids. They offer like 100, 200 free pop-up layouts and it's all free for the present moment. And you and I'll have the link in the show notes and you can just download it. I've been trying it on a test rig and it's freaking amazing. Thanks, Adam. Um, Chris, have you got come across any, any plug-in service or anything that you think the listeners and viewers would be interested in? Oh, you're muted. I just upgraded to the new version of ScreenFlow, and they upsold me on a like stock video library annual subscription thing for like 40 more bucks. So if you make videos and you need some stock footage of like whatever, the internet, people talking, <laughs> you know, some nature scene, you can now just use it right inside ScreenFlow. And uh, I have a personal goal to do more video this year on YouTube. And I just recorded a video this morning and I needed a shot of money flying through the air. So I got it right off of that uh, ScreenFlow, uh, you know, video stock library. You just didn't take was... it out of that duffel bag behind you and just start dumping it all over the top. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. There's so many ways I could have gone there, but Matt, Matt did better. Uh, um, John, John, got anything? Yeah, definitely. And and Matt will appreciate this, but it's a YouTube channel called Company Man. And each week, each Wednesday, he drops new videos. And it's uh, stories of companies. There's different categories, like why they're successful, company declines, uh, the, the decline, uh, the rise to fall, and then rise again. How did they get so big? 
it's just very interesting analysis of uh, a lot of the bigger brands that you already know. Um, so check it out. I dropped the link in the show. Oh, notes. yes. Please drop the links in the yeah. chat because it really helps me, panelists, with the show notes. So you can do that. Matt, have you come across anything this week that's interested you? Parking, service, whatever? Uh, so not all things at Automatic are bad. <laughs> My favorite, my favorite product from Automatic is actually Simple Note. Uh, it's not something I've come across this week. It's something I've been using for a few years now. And it's a simple note-taking app, cross-platform, stores everything in the cloud. I, I save notes from, from phone calls and I sync them up with uh, all my devices, laptop, desktop, phone. And uh, I would implore more people to check it out. Uh, I did an interview with the gentleman that, that leads it at Automatic at the time. It was just him. Hopefully by now there's more people because I think it's an amazing, uh, you know. It's was, a he a bit lo- was he a bit lonely? I felt like he was a little bit lonely. He had yeah. to he had to clear uh, before I asked him to be on the show. He's like, I got to check out with uh, some internal people first if I can show up on your show. Like, come on, what is, what's going on? <laughs> I'm not going to grill you about Matt. I love the app, uh, but check it out. Simplenoteapp.com. <laughs> <laughs> but it must be it must be lonely. You're the only person on a project in a company, wasn't it? You must have been, have I been, have I been pushed He's got a red stapler on his desk. Somewhere. Have I done something wrong? You know, who, who I am that upset. Yeah. Oh dear, I'm so sarcastic. Matt walks in and says, You're not making me any money. Kicks yeah. him and then walks back upstairs. Oh Jesus. Spencer. Have you got anything you'd like to uh, share? Yeah, this one is not new, but it's Instacart. Uh, stay-at-home entrepreneurs may be useful. I always buy at Costco. I have three boys. Insane amount of food I have to buy. I have two Costcos by me. I did a test. It takes me roughly two hours round trip with the whole shopping experience, and we go through an insane amount of food, 400 bucks a week of food. I mean, it's just big kids, lots of athletes. Point being, Three hours, maybe, each round trip, including unpacking, packing. This company essentially lets you shop at any store in most cities around America. Point is, it's 20% on average more across the board. But when I did the math, I said I would try it. And I was skeptical because that means I'm paying like, what, an extra 50, 60 bucks for every shopping trip. I can't believe I waited so long. You, you buy what you want. It saves it. While I'm here on the show, whatever, I click a few buttons and then say, bring me all my stuff. Some real person actually brings it to my door, boxed up perfectly, and it's done. So if you feel like you're getting overwhelmed with all your personal chores and stuff and you're trying to run your business at home, in those three hours, I can have like three, four, five, six client calls or get a project done way more than pay for the time. But like it's made shopping actually an enjoyable part of a Friday instead of the, oh, Jesus, I got to go through the snow again today. So check it out. It works with almost all the bigger stores, but especially Costco, which is really amazing because I'm like, uh, can you bring some snow tires? And they're like, sure. And they just bring it out and that's it. There you go. What other WordPress podcasts can you get shopping tips, folks? No, what more can you ask? Have you not been entertained? You know, uh, <laughs> All right. I'll never leave the house. If I get one more automated service, I'll never leave the house. That's the danger. I don't think you ever leave there, do you? Not really. No, you just live there. Spencer, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to and your shopping habits? (laughs) 
Right. If you need some shopping advice or you need help with building a <laughs> WordPress-based membership, e-commerce site, and so forth, check it out. At, check us out at wplaunchify.com or on YouTube at wplaunchify. And Matt, um, first of all, you don't look totally confused since you've been on the show. So I think that's a great sign. This, there was this some is one lo- of the most intelligent conversations I think we've rounded up. Oh, right. I take that as high praise. You don't look totally shot to the maze. I'm not uh, looking to run away at this point, no. no. Uh, Matt, how can people find out about more about you and what uh, you're up to and your idea? Uh, MattReport.com. And if you're looking for enterprise-grade WordPress hosting, Pagely.com. They are very good. They are, they're a decent company with decent, you know, great support with great history. I say that, but also Kinsta's great. So there we go. Uh, um, uh, um, John, um, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Right. You can find me at my website, which is Lockdown Design SE, or I should say lockdownseo.com. Uh, sorry, brain fart there. Uh, you can also find me on my YouTube channel. Just go into YouTube, do hashtag Lockdown SEO and posting videos. Each and every week, there's a new one coming out. I think it's going to be Saturday at this point. So, that was great. Yeah, it's Chris, a great YouTube channel, by the way. Oh, thank I, you. I really appreciate it. I, I like watch you on my uh, on my new 4K TV in the living room. Oh, nice. Thank you. <laughs> How did you get that from Costco? Um, no, I bought it on Dell.com with the 20 percent uh, discount code that I had. All oh, right, there you go. There you go. I thought you could have got it delivered. There we go, uh, Chris. <laughs> So, Chris, how can, you, how can people find out more about you or what you're up to? You can find me at lifterlms.com. You can download the free WordPress LMS plugin, Lifter LMS, on the WordPress repository. I'm also working to grow my personal YouTube channel, so look for Chris Badgett on YouTube. And before we wrap up, we, we were going to, uh, me and uh, my other co-host, we're going to do a webinar the last on the 31st of this month but that's been cancelled because i've been ill as a dog and i ain't done the work that um that i was supposed to do but we're going to be doing this webinar on the last thursday of the february which is february the 28th um go to wp tony backstroke webinar and you'll be able to join us for free and i will be offering free um offerings during the webinar we're going to be bribing you to join us but it's going to be a a great discussion about the seven things you got to do to build a really fantastic course in 2019 and i'll be plugging it insanely from now on through all my podcasts we're but we'll see you next week with another great round table discussion with another great panel we'll see you soon folks bye peace Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.